Patrick Daly and welcome to Interlinks. Interlinks is a program about international business and globalization and the effects these have had on our life, our work and our travel over recent decades. There's a little bit of history, a dash of economics, a sprinkling of business and an overlay of personal experience, both for me and for my interviews from around the world. Today, however, is going to be a little bit different in that there is no guest. It's just me. So today I'm going to talk about innovation opportunities for businesses that are arising from the volatility and unpredictability that we continue to experience, uh, we have continued to experience in recent times. So here we are. in the late spring, early summer of 2021, soon in a few weeks, and vaccination programs are gathering pace in many parts of the world, and economies are beginning to open in stages and phases. So as we look forward to this change world that is emerging in front of us, there are quite a lot of challenges, and I think there are also uh, some opportunities there to be had for businesses across the board. And companies will require to innovate and create new ways of operating and competing in order to deal with these challenges and to take advantage of the opportunities. And today I wanted to highlight five interrelated areas where I think most companies will face change and pose some questions for you to consider uh, under each of these five areas regarding your own business or place of work. So the five areas that we're going to touch on in today's program are uh, technology and digitization first, Uh, secondly, sustainability, then we'll have a look at inbound supply, particularly in the international sense, Then we'll move on to transport, warehousing and logistics. And finally, we look at the issue of governance of uh, the supply chain. And uh, these, I think, are areas, as I said, where I think lots of companies are going to be facing change. I think where, where there are good opportunities for innovation in 2021 and beyond. So to the first of those um, areas, uh, technology and digitization. So there has always been uh, a lag between the appearance and the widespread adoption of new technologies. So if we look back, say, at the telephone, uh, the internal combustion engine, the airplane with the Wright brothers, or even the internet, um, we see that there is this this lag, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter, but there always is a lag. And the reason for that lag is because sometimes uh, an infrastructure is required to be built, put in place in order for the new technology to be rolled out and become uh, adopted in in a massive sense. Sometimes also we need to actually invent new business models to take or or to make best use of the new technologies um, that are coming on the scene. And in many senses, a lot of our business structures are still in evolution to catch up with the technologies that um, are available to us. We've actually seen recently in recent months and over the last year, how there's been a massive take up of online uh, video uh, meeting applications such as uh, a Zoom and Microsoft Teams and WebEx and so on. And that's a technology that was there for quite a while, but the uptake was modest. And now the uptake has been greatly accelerated by the effects of the restrictions associated with um, COVID in different parts of the world. 
And another reason sometimes for the lag in the uptake of new technologies is the actual amortization of investments that have been made in the previous le legacy technologies, and they must be worked through um, uh, the finance and the uh, investment and accounts of businesses uh, before new technologies can be invested in, in a wider sense. And there is a group of interesting technologies that have emerged in, in recent times, and sometimes altogether they're referred to as uh, Industry 4.0. And these are technologies that promise a kind of a future integration of business and data uh, collection and analysis and interpretation. And th these technologies are made up of, um, we could say, one, the, the Internet of Things, uh, 5G mobile networks, additive uh, manufacture, sometimes referred to as 3D printing, artificial intelligence, automation and uh, robotization of operations, and big data and the associated analytics. And as I said, these have been around for some time, and there are some good uh, case studies of implementation. But when we look at industry as a whole, the implementation is, I would say, sporadic and probably fragmented and concentrated in certain uh, areas and certain types of companies. But the uptake of these technologies is growing, um, and they do herald a very different integrated future that can be fairly well described. So while it's relatively easy to describe what that future will look like, it's not so easy to set out how we're going to get from where we are now, from here, uh, to that uh, future. So that's not obvious or, or apparent. And we'll explore this in more depth in subsequent episodes of Interlinks. But for now, I just wanted to pose some questions for you to get you thinking about this topic. And I'll have, uh, I have three questions here for this topic, and I'll have three questions for each of the other four topics to make up the set of, set of five, uh, just to get you thinking and to um, get the juices flowing in terms of what kind of innovation um, would be appropriate or what would arise uh, for your business to take advantage of these uh, uh, changes and these challenges and, and opportunities. So here are the three questions in the area of technology and digitization. First, how will these technologies find application in your particular sector? Two, which of the technologies described should you be considering to bolster the implementation of your business strategy in 2021 and beyond? And three, what are the implications of the answers uh, of these first two questions for the investment, recruitment, and skills development that your business will engage in this year and in subsequent years? So that's the area of uh, technology and digitization. We'll put that to one side for the moment and we will move on to sustainability. So um, this year we have seen a sharp increase in focus on all things related to uh, climate change and sustainability, renewables and so on. We have the COP26 um, conference coming up in Glasgow this year, hosted by the, the United Kingdom. So we've seen governments and investors being much more 
focused and active in the space. Uh, obviously, the British government being the host of uh, the COP26 conference this year, it's high on their agenda. We've seen the change in the US administration with President Joe Biden um, taking office in January 2021. And since then, we've seen Russia and China together with the US uh, in conference announcing that they would actually collaborate with each other on climate change, notwithstanding the other difficulties and challenges and um, um, disputes that they that they would have. And then another very interesting development in the private sector, we've seen Larry Fink, who's the chairman and CEO of BlackRock, uh, the investment management corporation that manages some $9 trillion investments, announcing that environmental sustainability is going to be a core goal for BlackRock's future investment decisions, and uh, that got a lot of uh, a lot of um, attention among the investor community. Uh, so when somebody like Larry Fink is, is saying that, um, people pay attention. So I guess inevitably, with regard to the agenda, uh, the climate agenda and sustainability and so on, some people think things are moving too slowly. Uh, others think they're moving too quickly. I guess that's always going to be the way. But I guess what we can say is e either way and wherever you come down on that question, things are moving. Uh, the pace is gathering. And really, it's only going to go in one direction. Uh, so therefore, companies like the companies you all work in uh, will and should be seeking out opportunities uh, in this space to create new business and new revenue streams, or indeed looking to mitigate the costs of, of compliance where there's no particular op opportunity, but you've just got to uh, adhere to new rules and regulations that are coming down the, coming down the pipe. Uh, so here are the three questions for you to consider in this uh, particular area. Uh, first one, are there opportunities for new lines of business for you in the sustainability space? For example, I'm aware here locally in, in Dublin of an engineering, electrical engineering company um, that has just launched into electric vehicle chargers and solar panels as a new line of business. So they've seen this as an opportunity and they've made a strategic decision uh, to get involved in, in that space. Um, second question, are there areas of compliance that you can be proactive about taking up to enhance your sustainability credentials and commercial profile and gain competitive advantage, get ahead of your competition in that sense? Third question, are there efficiencies achievable through investments you can make in clean energy or waste reduction or in reuse or recycling initiatives that would provide a favorable return on investment for your company? We move on now to uh, the aspect of inbound supply, particularly in an international sense. And due to uh, a number of reasons uh, and uh, causes coming together, uh, well, I guess we've got both uh, COVID and very recently we had um, Suez, we had the blockage of the uh, ever given of the, of the Suez Canal and the reverberations of that. We've got lots of issues right now in April, May, June, uh, 2021 with regard to inbound supply. So the, the recent year's events have thrown up a succession of uh, supply disruptions in, in this space, some bigger and, and some smaller, um, particularly for those businesses whose supply chains are international, whether regionally, say within uh, Europe or within North America or within Southeast Asia, or whether they're global supply chains, inter intercontinental supply chains, such as are operated by some of the large uh, multinational corporations. 
So if you think about what's been happening and the dis- disruptions we've had to physical supply chains over the last 10 years or so, if we go back to 2011, uh, many will remember the Fukushima earthquake and, and tsunami and the disruption that that caused. Then we had the Icelandic uh, volcano and ash cloud, which caused particular disruption here in uh, Northwest Europe. We've had the US-China trade wars and disputes over recent years, since about 2015, maybe even even before that, before Donald Trump came to power, um, that was already brewing. We've had Brexit, again, a particular effect here in Northwestern uh, Europe between the United Kingdom and some of its major trading partners in Europe. It's introducing difficulties there in the flow, physical flow of um, imports and exports. We've had COVID, obviously, for the last year and a half. That has been uh, causing mayhem in different parts of the world at different different times, starting in China, then moving to Europe, North America, and right now, uh, big challenges in India. And we've had the sewage blockage early this year, which caused a disruption of which the knock-on effects uh, I'm hearing are going to endure probably until August, uh, maybe even later uh, this year, 2021. So uh, we, we've had all of that and we don't know what the next uh, disruption will be. But what we do know is that it certainly will come, um, given the unpredictability and the volatility of events in, in, in the world, uh, the growing complexity of uh, supply chains in the world economy means that that is so. Um, And it's quite concerning that many companies seem at least not to be aware of how vulnerable they are to uh, disruptions of the physical supply chain until it actually happens. So, you know, I'm I'm aware of companies that were caught uh, at the beginning of the COVID crisis when countries like India put in place export bans and companies in Europe and North America who depended on supplies from that part of the world were were caught by surprise, and um, there, there was there was panic, and there was um, lots of firefighting to uh, get around some of those difficulties. Um, other, I guess, maybe more enlightened companies had already been and more are now looking actively to better understand the vulnerabilities that are buried in their supply chains, if you like, to make known more of what is unknown. And they've been engaged in initiatives like business continuity management and multi-level risk analyses. And this is leading to them being able to put in place prevention, mitigation, and contingency measures now that they can activate if uh, certain issues arise in the the future, disruptions arise in the future. So while they might not know what the disruptions will be, um, they will have plans, uh, generic plans that they can implement uh, should certain sets of circumstances come about in the future. So uh, for now, I'm going to leave you with three questions on, on this particular topic before we move on to the next one. And the three questions are, first one, do you actually know the full extent uh, of your supply chain dependencies and and vulnerabilities. Uh, Which of your supply chain dependencies are critical to your actual ability to conduct your business? 
and what prevention, mitigation or contingency plans can you put in place now to reduce your vulnerability in the future or indeed to identify hidden opportunity? So sometimes when that exercise is undertaken uh, to plug a vulnerability, you actually find an opportunity that you couldn't see beforehand. Uh, And that sometimes is a novel outcome of that kind of activity. Um, So those are the questions, uh, the aspect of inbound supply. And then we're going to move on to the next topic, which is transport, warehousing and logistics. So this is the world of wheels, sheds, boats and planes. So this is fairly basic stuff, but this is an area that has become very complex and very sophisticated in a world of globally interconnected supply networks. And uh, there are many strategic choices and options available to companies for how to configure and operate their transport, logistics, and and warehousing. There are in-house options, and there are outsourced options using uh, third-party logistics service providers or fourth-party logistics service providers. And even today, we have uh, some options where we have warehousing and transport on demand, um, specialist services that are uh, arising now, particularly in North America and Europe, leveraging platform technology and internet technology in order to connect providers of services with uh, the users of the services through an intermediary platform, if you like, almost like an Airbnb for warehousing or an Airbnb for heavy goods vehicle transportation. Uh, And we see lots of hybrid models, combinations. Inevitably, companies end up with with hybrid models where it's partly uh, in-source, partly outsourced. And that's a constantly evolving field of operations for companies. And these are strategically important business decisions, particularly that in-source versus outsource balance. And the reason they're strategically important is because they really do directly impact the ability of a, of a company to operate and to compete because they have influence very directly on, on price, on availability, on service, and on quality. So three questions for you on transport, warehousing, and logistics. First question, does your warehousing and logistics configuration actually provide the capabilities needed to fulfill your business strategy now and in the future? Second question, what changes might enhance your capability uh, and your competitiveness in in the market? And three, in what ways will your warehouse and logistics configurations need to flex to support the changes taking place in your supply chains in the future? So with those questions, uh, we come on to the last of the five areas, which is the governance of the supply chain. And this area of governance is often one that is overlooked, but is very fundamental to the future success or failure of of businesses and indeed of of societies. So if we think of it kind of in in the wider sense, um, you know, I'm a kind of a history buff and I'm very interested in, in the Roman Empire. And uh, I'm listening to a podcast at the moment called The History of Rome. 
And uh, what's clear is that uh, the fall of the Roman Empire in the 4th, 5th century was due, of course, to lots of factors, a combination of factors, including war, including plague, including uh, demographics, population difficulties, uh, economic inflation, and so on. But a major contribution also was a failure of governance in that the, the, the empire had an inability to transfer power from one emperor to the next without um, very disruptive internal strife and civil war again and again and again. Um, and ultimately that led to the fall of the empire weakened from within rather than victim of the forces that were impinging on it from the outside. And today in the world, we also have uh, a governance crisis in, in world affairs because the challenges that we face, such as pandemics, uh, climate change, uh, migration, and so on, are supranational um, in, in that they operate above the level of, of countries. And yet our governance structures are really at, at the country level. You know, we do have forums like the uh, United Nations and so on, but they aren't as strong or as effective as, as they might be. And therefore, we struggle with these uh, global challenges that operate above um, and independently of uh, the country level. And likewise, in supply chains, the issues that we face are supra-organizational because supply chains are made up of many players. And supply chains, if you think of them as uh, systems, uh, our, our governance structures are at the business level and many businesses form part of the system that is the supply chain, but generally nobody is in overall control of the supply chain. Um, but it's important for business strategists to think carefully uh, about this, how their company fits into uh, the supply chain and how the governance of that supply chain is, is structured, where the power, where the value is. And here are some questions for business strategists in particular to consider regarding the supply chains that their businesses participate in. So first one is, who holds uh, the greater part of the power in, in the supply chains that your business operates in? Uh, secondly, who appropriates the greater share of the value add and benefits uh, generated by the supply chains that you're participating in? And thirdly, what can you do to increase your power and the share of the benefits in those uh, supply chains? So over the coming uh, weeks and months here on Interlinks, uh, and as we emerge, as economies emerge and societies continue to, to open up, we'll be delving deeper into each one of these uh, five areas and exploring some of the answers to those questions that I've put to you today uh, and trying to help you to answer uh, those questions uh, for yourselves in those areas of, of strategic uh, concern. But for now, um, what, what, what I can provide to you is that you can download uh, a one-pager with all of these topic headings that I've just uh, described, the five, the five headings, and the three questions that I've posed under, under each heading. If you go to albalogistics.com, so that's A-L-B-A logistics, all one word, albalogistics.com, dot com backslash opportunities and you just click on the hyperlink uh, called opportunities under uh, written by Patrick so it says written by Patrick underneath there's a hyperlink uh, which uh, spells out opportunities 
hit that hyperlink and you'll be able to uh, download a one pager with the topic headings and the three questions under each. There's no need for you to leave your email or any registration there. You just hit the hyperlink. You'll see the PDF, uh, download it. It's on one page. You can review that one pager at your leisure. And if you want to discuss any of the topics, uh, or the specific questions, don't hesitate to pick up the phone or email me and you'll find my contact details, both telephone and email uh, on the one pager. So you can send me a mail, you can pick up the phone and call me or send me a WhatsApp, whatever whatever suits you best. So I'm going to leave you with that for today. Thank you very much again for your attention. Uh, and remember that if you would like to know more about how I can help you to formulate and implement international business strategies that deliver, check out my blog on albalogistics.com backslash blog and my book, International Supply Chain Relationships, which you can pick up on Amazon, Google Books or Apple Books. So keep well until the next time and look after yourselves. All the best. Bye for now.